You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where the adults try to understand a world that changes really fast by keeping up with pop culture. This week we have not one but two albums of the week, Arctic Monkeys, The Car and Taylor Swift's Midnights. And there's a lot to comment, so we'll get right into it, shall we? believed a band becomes immortal when they write a really good ballad. It's what usually stands the test of time and what a band is most beloved for because everyone needs a ballad. Upbeat tempo songs are good and fun and you need songs to dance to at weddings but pulled heartstrings are what echo into eternity. And I don't get why some bands don't write more ballads but uh, Arctic Monkeys Ben, you said it the other day. If if you make a playlist of all Arctic Monkeys ballads, from Riot Van to Only Ones Who Know, 505, Secret Door, we have their best album. Uh, what did you think of this album? Well, strictly, um, my playlist is of Arctic Monkeys love songs, which I really, really, uh, I really adore. Like it was, it's funny. Like sometimes you just work out what you like about a band. And like when Arctic Monkeys first came out, I quite liked them, but I wasn't really like blown away until I heard. Um, you know, they're, they're more sort of tender and loving side, you know, things like fluorescent adolescent. Mm. And I realized those are basically among my favorite songs in the whole wide world. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I didn't like the other ones. I, I, I do, but it's just like, I love these ones so, so, so much. Um, and obviously we're, we're talking about things like, you know, Cornerstone and yeah. uh, Love is a Laser Quest and like more recently, four out of five. Anyway, I, I, um, wrote to someone Uh, at Domino, the Arctic Monkeys label, and I said, okay, on this uh, album, there are a good two or three songs for my Arctic Monkeys love song uh, collection, and that is a very good thing. Uh, they never replied, because they've probably like, got better things to do with, with their lives, but like, you know, I, I, I made the bold uh, statement anyway. And, I mean, I, I guess you're going into what exactly is a, is a love song because like the, the two songs off this I absolutely adore are There Better Be a Mirable, which we're listening to now, uh, and Body Paint. Mm. Um, and to be honest, it's all quite oblique, so I can't really tell if they're, if they're love songs, but the feeling of them is so tender that I find it hard to imagine they're not, they, they don't have sort of a lot of love um, at their heart. I mean, the strings we're just hearing now, the way yeah. that they go is absolutely beautiful. It sounds very French, we were talking about the other day, which is obviously a good thing. You know, uh, Alex Turner now divides his time between Paris and London. He has a French uh, girlfriend. The yes. vocals were recorded in France. And this album is so Serge Gainsbourg. It is absolutely unbelievable. Um, the sound is incredibly Serge Gainsbourg. Um, the production, the strings, uh, everything about it is, is really gorgeous. So... Yeah. I love the imagery of on this song of the mirror ball. I read something, you know, I mean, I can't separate the personal life of Alex Turner because I'm obsessed with him. I think he's one of the, a bona fide rock star. He's so stylish. He's just, and the way he's so mysterious, he doesn't do social media like everyone else. You know, he's just like, he, he just pops up when he has to promote his album. And especially when you go see him on stage, you feel like this might be the last time I see him for another four years, you know, he'll disappear. And the fact that he, he broke up with his former girlfriend of many years, Taylor Badgley, um, well, three years, and they even had matching tattoos, apparently, according to Google. Uh, the f I'm trying to, I read something that, you know, the, the whole reference to the mirror ball is like the last dance. Like, if this is the song that he might have written for his 
for Taylor Badgley. Like, this is a breakup song, and it's like, let's just have one last dance to, you know, split amicably and each go our own way. I'm, I'm almost crying now from just like getting into that mood. Like this is a movie I need to see. I want to, I want to, I want someone to make a movie just of this moment, uh, fictionalized. Mar, what does Arctic Monkeys mean to your generation? Um, I think it, they hold like a cultural importance that not a lot of bands um, have in my generation. Like they, with the AM, they, well, before the AM, mm. they were already very popular mm -hmm. and it was very like they had a huge fan base in in tumblr but they the am the i changed everything i don't know how to explain like everyone was obsessed with it everyone had like hoodies and and rooms like fully decorated as the the am um like cover aesthetic and stuff which means like your album has a lot of impact so um <laughs> The Arctic Monkeys, it, to me, it's it it's like an like the essence of of my early teenage, well, maybe not early, but middle teenage years. I don't know. It they're very important, and this album, well, the last few two albums, the the last one and this one, I I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Do you like ballads like this kind of? Yes, I love um, the first single, the, the the one that we have been um, listening to, and the better, the there's better be a, a mirror ball. I loved it, and I loved the album as well. But I had like an issue in which I didn't. I have only heard it like once, like in a good sitting and stuff. But mm -hmm. I haven't gotten back to it yet. So maybe my opinion will change. But as a first listen thing i haven't been able to like distinguish when the songs were changing which maybe was intentional but uh, at the same time all of it had the same kind of sound except mm -hmm. this first single that i have listened to so many times that i already recognized but it mm -hmm. was the first one so then the rest of the album kind of sounded very similar or at, or at least for um periods of of time um i couldn't distinguish if two songs had passed by or one or three or i i i got that a bit as well i found like uh the songs i really really loved the good songs i really really loved but like the slightly weaker ones i i felt got lost in a bit of a, a morass like jet skis mm. on the moat i found when i got there i was sort of my attention was slightly drifting off and you start to think well what's kind of going on what's kind of going on here mm. am i enjoying this am i am i really processing it but I think they do really grow on you over yeah. time. I was saying to Johan earlier that, like, I had it in my mind. I loved one album, uh, one song off this album, which was which was Body Paints. And then when the album started off, I wasn't really thinking. Um, and it started off, and I was like, "Yeah, this is the song I really, really love." And then I realized, "Oh no, that's <laughs> it's a different song." So it's like, it's like, it totally sort of it totally grown on me. Um, and yeah, but I, it sounds very Arctic, Arctic Monkeys, which I like and I appreciate it. Like that, the Arctic monkeys that make ballads. For I mean, I was going to say about young people. I w I saw them Primavera LA, and I was in blown away by the youth that were kind of going to watch them. Like these people who were, you know, I know they were under twenty one because they were in the under twenty one area. Mm. And like literally, the gate opened at twelve or whatever it was. Arctic monkeys were on at nine, and they ran there. They, they, I'm like, well, some of them went to the merch store to buy like all the merch they could, mm -hmm. and they ran to it. And it's like. It's a really diverse crowd as well. I mean, like that's one thing I noticed about LA is like really kind of people of all all kind of different sort of uh, backgrounds. It looked like, but like really not what I was like. I think they have become like such an important band that when you're like a teenager or in your early like yes, oh, yes, young years, um, and you start getting into music it's like compulsory to have like an Arctic Monkeys face, which means you have become like an iconic like band, like historic, like you have a, a Beatles face in which you like discover music. Then you go a little bit deeper, like you're like, oh yeah, I'm indie. And then you listen to the whole discography of the Arctic Monkeys. And that's why when I see someone who is now maybe 13 and I'm like, why is he wearing a... Uh, 
like Arctic Monkeys merge. He's 13 in 2022. The Arctic Monkeys, like, he shouldn't know um, who the Arctic Monkeys are or he shouldn't be such a fan. But I, f I think they have reached the point in which the Arctic Monkeys is a compulsory stop in which you have to be when mm. you start liking music. And that's kind of iconic now that's that big, I think that's about big. it. That's big. When you like that. Um, interesting you mentioned the Beatles. I thought this album was quite Let It Be as well. Yeah. Lots of the, the, those kind of ballads. Um, and bongos. Bongos, which are traditionally a shit instrument, were used very, <laughs> very... How can you say that? You love dance music and disco. There's bongos yeah. are a great part of 70s disco. I would disco. love to know how to play them. You just hit him. <laughs> uh, no, all right. Bongos, I know what you mean about the university college student who's always playing bongos <laughs> yeah. in his room and playing hacky sack and stinking your room out with um, yeah. Guns. Actually, you know, I got, I, I got to take it back. Sorry, I'm, I'm, you, you call me. <laughs> I know you, you are right. I, I do. There's love, bongos yeah, and there's yeah, bongos. Yeah. There's like the professional sort of uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Fania All Stars bongos, which are cool. And there's the shit bongos of like yeah, your dorm roommate who just won't stop. Jeremy uh, from Peep Show. <laughs> I don't think any of you know, uh, uh, but like, look, look, but what I mean is, let's say, let's say you were like, oh, we're we're a Sheffield indie band, and we're going to add some bongos to the mix. Yeah. Would you tick yes or no? Mm. I think you'd be pulling that lever that says no, pretty straight. And and I would be, and I'd be wrong. So I loved it when Arcade Fire put uh, bongos on Reflector when they included what was his name? Oh this, God, that this... I was not a fan of that. No, on on oh, Reflector, no. I had that kind of because they were channeling old disco, and and they brought a moment. I remember the name of the the percussionist uh, who they integrated into the band. Yeah, Another, mm, yeah. Sorry, Johan, before you go on, as a man who has very strong opinions on what uh, instruments you're, love, <laughs> you're allowed to airplay in a club. <laughs> is our Ooh, air bongo the air is bongo. The air bongo. Let, me, let, me, fits, let me do it. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> feels good. Feels good. No. Feels good. <laughs> I mean, if you disguise it as hand movements, dance hand movements. No, like, no, no. But... No. But when you like get really serious into like, because you know there's techniques where they'll hit with the elbow and the and the what do you call this part at the at the at the base of the hand where the hand separates like, from the arm, the 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 yeah, this it, has a name. What is it called? Is it the, like the heel yeah, of the hand or something? The heel <laughs> of the hand. Yeah, it's like the heel of the hand. You know, when, if you're doing that kind of like, yeah, I'm a. I'm a bongo player in my free time. Then it's kind of pathetic, but it's <laughs> yeah, the air bongo. Mm, no, no, not as bad as the flute. The air flute, <laughs> the air flute is still like prime. No deal breaker. Um, no go. Uh, I cannot sleep with you if you do the air the air flute. But the air bongo will sit on the fence with it. Um, but again, speaking of young 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 people getting into ballads, I remember being very. Just like you were caught off guard in LA with like how many yeah. young under under 21s were so excited about Arctic Monkeys. Same thing happened to me years ago at Vida Festival with Lana Del Rey. Her like first 20 rows were all teenagers, like 14 year olds, like going absolutely yes. batshit crazy for her. And I'm like, whoa, this, this, this artist is singing kind of adult ballads, very similar to the vibe on the car of Arctic Monkeys, which, by the way, Lana Del Rey and Arctic Monkeys have been known to hang out in L.A., so they're kind of in that same, you know, they're, 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 they were, she's probably on their mood board, like, we need to make more Lana Del Rey-style music. No, Arctic huh? Monkeys are on her mood board. No, she's been doing this longer than they have. The this kind of sort of cinematic uh, ballads and you know the and singing in that kind of register. And can, can I say just for the record, I hate video games by Lana Del Rey. I cannot stand it. That's video games, the Lana Del Rey song. Yeah. Why would you say that? It. It's recorded now. You I, cannot take it back. I just back. can't stand it. It's one of my least favorite songs. Oh, okay. Then you're you have gonna, bad taste. Yeah. Then you're okay, admitting fair. to having bad taste. <laughs> I liked video games. That was and that, that was one of that was one of her it's breakout amazing. hits. And I remember a, uh, a, the daughter of one of my friends. She was only eleven, and she was obsessed with the song "Video Games." So I really liked that the fact that so many teenagers were into like Lana Del Rey being making this kind of brooding ad, adult kind of music. It's a hundred percent adult, and they're. The public was a hundred percent teenagers, and they're all fucked up in the head now <laughs> because I was there. You were there. You were yeah. that, you were no, I was not like literally there in that festival, but uh, I went through the Lana Del Rey trenches way too early. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now you have issues. Yes. <laughs> and 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 a love for retro vintage furniture, just like Alex Turner, who's also obsessed with architecture and, and, and interior design. You know, it's it's just we're all in this one synth synth synth. 
Sinfonia, uh, this wavelength of retro furniture and, mm. and doomed ballads. But um, where was I going with this? Uh, the, the ballads, the stuff. Oh, yeah, I do get the feeling that um, the, the rest of the band, because something that a lot of people were criticizing is this, that they are becoming Alex Turner and the Arctic Monkeys, like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's becoming more about him, 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 and the band is trying to find their space. But I do feel that they did find their space on this album, toning it down. As well, I think act. like the drums are really good, the guitar's really good, or that kind of wah wah guitar. It's a very well played record. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very interesting. The song "Big Ideas" had the line uh, has the line. I had big ideas. The band was so excited, and it, it seems like a, it's quite an appropriate line for the things we've been talking about. You know how it is. It does seem a very Alex Turner driven record. This one and. People do worry, wonder sometimes how the band, how excited the band is. Because I, I mean, I've, I've interviewed them uh, a few times, and Matt Helders has as seemed to have as much as authority on the band as Alex Turner in the sense of they're mates, and and he knows what he likes. But the the way they trust Alex's vision, because he is a visionary with this band and where he can take it, uh, it's nice that they're willing to follow. And as I say finding their space. I remember in Primavera Sound 2018, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds were headlining, as were Arctic Monkeys on the back of Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. And uh, they arrived, Arctic Monkeys arrived a day earlier when Nick Cave was playing. I think it was on the Thursday. And I got to see that show side stage and they, the whole band was there, minus Alex Turner. He hadn't flown in yet. But the whole band was there. Helders, Jamie, um, O'Malley, and even the 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 rest of the touring musicians who now play with Arctic Monkeys Live. They were all there wearing suits and they were all watching Cave side stage. And it was almost as if Alex had said, come on, lads, do your own work. Go and see this band because they are playing headline shows, playing ballads. You know, obviously they have um, uh, numbers, uh, songs that are a bit more upbeat and stuff, but Nick Cave's shows are generally doomed ballads and he's made an incredible... Um, uh, third wave of his career third wave is it fourth now with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds they've been around for so long but they are at their most powerful now playing ballads and this year watching it felt like there were 150,000 people watching Nick Cave pour his heart out uh, and I think Alex Turner is one of his decisions is like look this is the vibe I just want to keep doing and you're with me and, that, and they are and and it's an interesting choice. And the good thing is they can always rely on those four, first four albums to keep things excited for when they play a Reading or a, or a, or a, or a Glastonbury or a Primera Sound, you know, at two in the morning. But I would love it if they committed to this new sound and said, you know what, we're going to do five nights at the Royal Albert Hall just playing this style, this we're going to make a night, a romantic evening, you know, and we're going to put like little lamp lampshades on the tables so people can eat a, play, a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know, I'm having a silly idea. No, okay, forget the spaghetti, but, you know, having a little table lamp light. I think we have to bring back those kind of romantic shows where you can go with your your partner and, uh, and I don't know, sit or can have candle lights while you watch a show of just ballads it's not a bad career move they can do it they can just do four nights or five at the Royal like Albert Hall like in a cruise or something on a cruise <laughs> on a cruise but don't wait till you're on the downslope of your career do it now when you're on the height of it it's, it's, it feels double more exciting bands do cruises these days like Bell and Sebastian did one I think like there's a punk yeah. rock cruise or something like that, um, that I, was I, a, that was a festival the crew the Bell and Sebastian festival what was it called Mates on a Ship or a Ship <laughs> of Mates or no that was oh, something that Pierce did I can't remember no, uh, no. but it had a name and they had Mogwai they but had the like, Bowley Cruise could it be? I, uh, yeah, the Julie Cruise. That would be in it with Twin Peaks. Uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, Julie Cruise. She, uh, she passed away. Uh, speaking of cruise, by the way, I, last night I saw a, a Swedish director Robin Usland's new movie, uh, Triangle of Sadness. Highly recommended. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, we'll be talking about that maybe next week because um, it deals with luxury cruises. And what a great evening or what a great cruise that would be arctic monkeys luxury cruise but a retro cruise owned by aristotle onassis like the one that they used in the movie ah i'm uh, going all over the place what else um anything else to be said i think we should play the song we should play the song and leave space for our other album of the week
forever uh before we talk we move on to uh honor the other album of the week i'd we'd quickly like to make a comment on the unexpected wonderful new song from caroline politech have you heard sunset yes of course and i heard it um at the at primavera sound what yeah she, she played it? it yeah she <gasps> played it like um she was like yes i've been here like coming to barcelona lately and I, i'm getting really inspired so i'm gonna play a few of the the songs i i i made here and and she played sentences <laughs> which is iconic i i i love her did she did she bring a guitarist or did she play the guitar or was it sampled i think it was sampled Yeah, I, I, that is the show I most regret missing. Uh, Caroline Politic. I was so convinced that she was going to do like a Rigoberta and perform three or four times because because she'd spent so much time and she was kind of uh, close to Primavera Sound in a way. I thought, you know, I know she only performed once. What is this travesty? Mm -hmm. People playing Fred again played like three times or something. It's like ah, anyway, she'll be back. She will be back. Uh, it, so she recorded it with Sega Bodega, who also lived in Barcelona many years. Mm -hmm. So they, it's it's interesting how they really caught the essence. It sounds like a well, song that could have been recorded by. <laughs> they got the, the as an as expats. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a cliched version of the sound of Barcelona. Well, I'll give it that. I, I asked I asked sort of David about it, our technician yesterday, because you know he's he's um, Catalan as they come. Because and I, he's a guitarist. Exactly. <laughs> I, I like. I saw a lot of a lot of praise. For this song, and we love Caroline Polachek generally, right? Don't we? Like yes, what yes. great song Billions was, for example. Yeah. I, 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 I thought the song sounded a little bit cheesy. But that's the thing about her; she does good. She's like making cheesy cool be because she is super cool. Like she, she doesn't mess about. She's not like some. I don't know. She, she's just she, she's almost too cool for school. I've I've seen her hanging with the people she hangs out with, and everyone's super. Uh, yeah, just I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how to say it without getting into a garden. But uh, <laughs> she's like she's almost scarily too cool. Like I even I was intimidated by her. Like oh, I'm I'm not cool enough to talk to character to Caroline Politech. Um, so when she does chorus covers or she's kind of um, trying to make a thing or make it her own, like all these kind of radio pop hits from an era, like she can make a simply red song cool. I think. I actually like Simply Okay, Red. okay, but right, Ed Sheeran got a load of grief for his song Barcelona. Yeah, but it was. And is Sunset really less cheesy? I know. But yeah, if you make it, <laughs> first of all, like you Ed cannot, you cannot be Ed Sheeran. <laughs> That's the first mistake. <laughs> if it's you're Ed Sheeran. Okay, it's gonna it's it, gonna flop. Um, it's but, gonna flop. It's got about eight million listens. It's well, unfair, but the messenger counts. Like it's it's as if like if I start talking about I don't know uh, 
something that is not if I start talking about, you can see it in my eyes I'm about to meter la pata in a big way go on uh, go on am I the person to talk about um gay rights <laughs> <laughs> am I being a heterosexual no, male? Yeah. Right? Am I? Yeah. Uh, maybe someone should, someone from the queer community mm -hmm. would have more authority on um, legislations that affect the queer community, right? right? Whereas I'm not the person. Okay. Okay. I, And how we, now, how are you going to so, connect that with Caroline not being Catalan I, or, or <laughs> Spanish or anything? So I, I she really put myself into a hole. I can't dig myself out I, of I, I think, And I think that's the glory of this show. Uh, what I'm trying to say is like, Caroline Polisek doesn't have more authority than Ed Sheeran to make a song about, but she just, but she just sounds great doing it. Whereas Ed Sheeran, you just like, you know what? I don't feel like. Okay, no, sorry about what I said before. I, that was totally just stupid. I am gonna say this, share this thought I had years ago. I remember Paul McCartney. Uh, did the songs of Hope of Deliverance and I really liked that song Hope of Deliverance but I did recognize it is a bit cheesy though it is a bit kind of like parent music but I, there's something I love about it and it's like would this song be more less or more successful if it was m written and sung by a younger artist of that time or an older artist you know like that was the first song that made me think about It depends on who sings the song and what point they there are they are at in their life, hmm. and this does not make anything any clearer. No, no. What, what, what I think is really fascinating <laughs> is that, that basically, like, if you a lot of people do the, these kind of songs at very specific in particular places, and what tends to happen is everyone like thinks that the one that they're that they're close to is is like shit, but then they're like, oh yeah, but I love that Ed Sheeran song about Galway. And it's just funny, it's, it's kind of like, you can accept all the other ones, but the one that's close to you is a bit like, oh, mm -hmm. I can't quite... Because I, I remember people like being really rude about Ed Sheeran's Barcelona, because <laughs> he's like, yeah, we'll have some sangria it's on horrible. the Rambler. It's, it's absolutely... It's better than Video Game by Lon Del Rey. <gasps> oh, <laughs> the show's oh, okay. cancelled. The problem with Ed Sheeran is, it seems like he made a song about Barcelona for people who hang out in pubs in Malta, whereas uh, Caroline Politex seems to have sound at least I feel that she was a bit more honest in the sense that she spent maybe more time although I think didn't Ed Sheeran live here for a while when he wasn't famous? I I I don't think Caroline understand I think Caroline like we talked about it yesterday on Twitter me and Ben yeah yeah um, I think I think Caroline experienced the Barcelona that the Cheetah Girls experience. Oh, the Cheetah Girls. <laughs> Who are the Cheetah Girls? It's like a, there were like this group of girls on Disney Channel, like the Hannah Montana and yeah. stuff. But it was like for like... I don't know, like more Latina-based um, girls who didn't feel represented, I guess. And in one of their movies, um, they go to Barcelona. And the, the Barcelona Day picture is absolutely insane, but in the best way, in the most cringy, but absolutely fantastic way. And I think Caroline maybe um, accidentally did that, but that's all. I, I don't care if she did it on purpose or not. I love the essence of that movie, and I love that she maybe accidentally recreated that in in her Sangria Paella Ole um, yeah. kind of song. <laughs> It, if if it was okay, let's say it was. This song isn't a breakfast. It's actually one of those horrible menus they serve on Las Ramblas. Yeah, paella sangria for like 15 euros. But with all that yellow coloring, horrible shit that they put in, which is like, it, it's still edible. You know what yeah, I mean? But it's still it's sometimes it's camp. good. It's like camp. Sorry. Like I'm, I'm. Yes. It's I don't know. Taking it like all the way. And I like it. If you're oh, not oh, Ed Sheeran, okay, I'm gonna be a little bit more exactly. Ed Sheeran's is the is the shitty paella you get in Las Ramblas. Caroline Politex is the more a bit more refined one you get in Paseo Joan Borbo in no, Barcelona. Ed Sheeran is going there, and ironically, like, oh yes, we're gonna have a feast, we're gonna experience the culture, and they go to Las Ramblas and it's like hey, you didn't understand anything at all. <laughs> and Caroline is like there, like just screaming and and doing like, oh, and, and going to La Ramblas, like knowing she's not a local, not pretending to be a local, and then going to Las Ramblas in like a, in like 
an ironic way, but she's pretending it's not ironic, but it's kind of a bit ironic. And then she's having fun, like doing this on purpose. Or mm -hmm. that's what I imagine. Let's just listen to it because I really, really want to hear what you have to say about Midnight. So, Caroline Politech. An uninvited guest I turn it right and right and right Instead of turning left The boy of patience is a magic kind of medicine Cause every spiral brings me back into your arms again Said no regrets Caroline Polacek um, I think we got to the bottom of that, didn't we? I think the, the, that we've basically declared ourselves on that Yes In, in a good way If someone's wondering and didn't understand anything, we're on her team. We're definitely team Polacek. Yeah. Are we team Sheeran? <laughs> <laughs> Silence. Silence. Uh, all right, but we are definitely, definitely team Taylor Swift. Yes, of course we are. I don't know how, how can anyone not be on team Taylor Swift. And if someone is not on team Taylor Swift, they should definitely stay to become a Swifty right now, here on air, because I'm I'm a convert. Yep. I I like it was uh, those uh, two sort of gentle acoustic in the woods albums she did that really converted, which is weird because I don't normally like those kind of albums. Yeah, but it's not something that only happened to you. I think it's like a general experience, and which was wonderful to see happen. That a lot of people that. It's not that they were haters of Taylor Swift, it's that they just didn't care that much. Suddenly started respecting her as a musician with folklore and evermore. It was a phenomenon. It really was. And I actually went back to uh, some people I knew who, who loved Taylor Swift and I said, all right, okay, I love these two Taylor Swift albums. Do me some playlists. <laughs> Amazing. You're, you're doing a sw the Swiftiest work that's supposed to be done. I'm so glad you're... We can now speak from Swifty to Swifty because a new album's been released. Well, I, right, okay. I have, a, I have a slightly weird thing with Taylor Swift, right? Because as I said, I asked people to do me these playlists. These mm -hmm. are like big, big Taylor Swift fans. Two of them did playlists. And I thought, right, I'm going to really be into that. And what they did was a lot of the sort of similar, like folky stuff from previously in her career. And I have to tell you, I wasn't that mad on it. I didn't didn't like it all that much. And I can't work out what it is I like in Taylor Swift. Like, I really like some songs. I really don't like others. And I can't work out why. Like, I, it's not like it's not like I like the slow ones and don't like the fast ones. It's not like that. It's not like uh, I, I, I cannot work out what it is, why I like a particular Taylor Swift song and why I don't like another one. Like, for example, this album, Karma, I absolutely love. Yeah. that That's my favourite. It's a really big, upbeat pop one. But, um, you know, my favourite song of hers ever is Last Great American Dynasty, which is... Yeah, you have great taste. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> but let's just say you still haven't discovered, like you still haven't connected with the others. It's not that you don't like them. It's like you're still managing to connect as deep as you have with others. Because we all, well, yeah, I'm not going to pretend I love all Taylor Swift songs. There's some that... I have to work on still to, <laughs> but it's amazing. It's a tenth studio album. I can't believe it. And it feels like yeah, her tenth studio album, and like she has still a lot of Taylor's versions to put out, and there's been a lot of them done. I I, I don't understand how this woman has time to do anything. No, it's amazing. It's like well, where where was that? And was she hinting at a new tour? I, I, there was some interview. Oh, wait okay, for right, right. it. Okay, wait, wait, wait for it. First, let's let's begin. Let's begin with talking about how did you feel about Midnight's? Like, what do you make up of this album? Um, I really, I, I thought it was really good pop album. Mm -hmm. um, I liked the production a great deal. Um, it because you know I like that kind of thing, electronic production, um, sort of house. Because there's some like houseish beats and and the weird synths and and things like that. Um, and I I thought it was really good. I, I thought it kind of, and you obviously know a lot more about this than me, it kind of occupied a space I haven't heard her do before. Like, kind of, like it was pop, but not the sort of 
country pop or the more obvious like kind of like shake it off type pop would you agree i would totally 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 disagree (laughs) because my whole point of this album well um this i'm gonna begin with my first um thought that i I had when thinking of okay what do i make out of midnights because i i have a lot of thoughts but i have to put them in order right so i thought i remember in Americana, the Netflix documentary um, that she has um, after I think she released Reputation and then she goes into all of that went on and she disappeared for a whole year and stuff and she then talked about her whole career. And one of her points basically was to come clean about why has she been so um, neutral about everything like Equidistan, as we would say in Catalan. I don't know if that would translate to some specific word in English, but being way too neutral in a bad way. And do you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean. We do say equidistant, but we only use it in like a sort a of... very formal way. Well, mm. it, it literally, it means like a distance between, you know, between oh. physical distance between two two things. But like, I know what you mean, like amb- ambivalent, maybe? Ambivalent. Yeah, like she... Now everything is coming to me in Catalan. <laughs> no smulla. Um, she doesn't like take parts. She take says, a, yeah, 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 she's exactly, like yeah. Switzerland, but in a bad way. Like sometimes you have to take like a side. Um, and she explained it in, in this documentary. She said like, my entire moral code was to be thought as of good. And that's why she didn't want to make anyone mad. And she didn't talk ever about her political views. And then people started thinking of her as inauthentic because nobody knew exactly what Taylor Swift defended and if she defended something. And, well, now it's been a long time she since this Taylor um, is the Taylor that we know because she has since saw that this was maybe a mistake because people starting started thinking she was pro-life and pro-Trump yeah, and like, then yeah. it got bad and then she had to, like be more outspoken and people started really appreciating that from her and now she sees how mistaken maybe she was to think that not speaking about things was the right thing to do and and I feel like Midnight's is the last nail on the coffin of that Taylor that didn't um, had the guts to like spo- speak out and, and was too afraid of what people may think and 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 wanted to uh, was very obsessed over control. Not that she's not anymore, but she talks about how this may be a bad thing, and and she talks about it on on midnight and midnight. What its original part to me as a, as a Swifty is that she talks about um, very sensitive topics that we're not as used to um, hearing her talk about. Like we've heard her talk about many things, but stuff like that so sensitive, like an eating disorder or stuff like that, that she talked about it on Americana, the documentary, like how she had this weird relationship with food in her reputation era tour and stuff. But she hasn't sang about it. Like we haven't heard it on any of her songs or at least not as explicit. There's um, one of the lyrics says, I hosted parties parties and starved my body like I'd save by the perfect kiss. Like she literally talks about how she starved herself for a while. And and there's other very um, sensitive topics and, and stuff that feels like she we're reading her diary or something like that. It always feels a bit like this with Taylor, but I feel like Midnight, well, just as the concept, like it's at midnight, it's more intimate, it's, I don't know how to explain it. But the thing is... Um, I went to, into this album expecting something new. I When we were talking about Midnight before it was released, I was like, yeah. yes, I think it's going to be a pop rock album. Like, we haven't heard that side of Taylor yet. I think that's what she's going for. Um, w- like, when Taylor is about to release a new album, not a Taylor's version album, um, you always expect a new Taylor. Which character will she be? What sound will it be? And... And I expected something completely new, and that was my mistake because this is not a new album. Like it's not. It's not. It's um, we have heard this sound a lot in Taylor. Like I, I could like see the similarities with a lot of her previous albums. There's a lot of Reputation. There's a lot of 1989. There's a lot of Lover. There's a lot of other sounds that we have already heard, and and we can like see that it's almost like the same Taylor of these albums but a little bit more mature or a little bit more like a wine that's been like um, I don't know taking how 
taking time and, yeah, and becoming maturing, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maturing. And and that's that's exactly what this album is. And if you go to it expecting something new, it feels like it almost lets you down. Um, but uh, then if you think about it, because I figured what this album is, this album is like a gift to old school Swifties, like Swifties that know every single lyric to every single album to every single song that Taylor has ever released because there's a lot of references. This is a references album. Like you listen to a song and you're like, oh my God, she this lyric is very similar to that lyric that she put out in that album. And then you see the similarities and maybe these are songs that she had in a, like, uh, 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 place where unreleased songs were from previous albums and she has taken some of them back. Like That's why some of them sound similar to other albums because maybe they were meant for that album and they didn't end up making it and now it's back here. But but did she really have that kind of detuned synth thing going on, that big bass thing, that kind of like vaguely house beat thing going on? That's kind of new, isn't it? I can't really like... I Maybe it's because I don't know that much about music, but I... To me, it sounded very similar to these specific other albums. 1989, right. Lover and Reputation, which are um, her most pop albums. And it to me, it was basically like the same sound. And it, at first I was confused and I didn't want to think anything bad. But then I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's because I'm judging this in a point of view that it's not supposed to be judged. And the, the crazy thing is, after all these realization stuff that I had, like, oh, this is an album of references. Like, this is an extra. Like, if you compare it to other ones, as in how in, or in, like the originality that that brought and stuff, maybe this won't stand up as in, in that sense, but it will stand up um, in the sense that this this is, like, you can connect a lot of dots and, and, and it's fun to listen to. And the good thing is, if you're not a Swifty, if you stumbled, like, you hadn't heard anything from this woman ever in your life and you stumbled upon this album by chance, You, I, it's a good album, a pop, pop album by itself. Can, can I ask one thing? Like, So a lot of um, music fans mm-hmm. uh, get very, very annoyed if you say anything even vaguely critical about someone. If you don't say, look, this is a 10 out of 10, perfect, they've done really, really, really well, people on Twitter particularly get really annoyed. Are Taylor Swift fans like that? Because you're you're a massive Taylor Swift fan, yeah. and you're 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 not criticizing this album as such, but you're saying it's. I, I'm getting like it's a eight out of ten for you, right? No, we can only say breakfast. Okay, there's okay, no okay. numbers. Oh, I don't true. I don't support numbers. <laughs> but you're, this isn't your favorite Taylor Swift album. You, it's not what I mean. It's, it's the not, thing it, is, and I must agree, it's not that it's not my favorite album, but it took me longer to understand what Taylor was doing. Because right, I'm used right. to Taylor doing something that I I know what she will do when she brings a new album out. Um, I, I know that I won't know which Taylor will it be. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a new Taylor. And what I didn't know is that I was doing... I was... Like, the premise was wrong. It's not to look for a new Taylor. It's to look how Taylor has taken older... Um, stuff and, and made it new and, and brought it back. I... I Okay. Uh, references to me the the thing that made me love this album is like it's a references album it's a, an album for the Swifties um that will know what she's talking about and will see the points connected. But on my casual level I didn't get the references you're going to explain them which is good but I I still really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it as a collection of pop songs. Yeah, exactly. As know? a person that you don't maybe like get the the references from previous songs it's a great pop album by itself, which is amazing too. Because if it was only for very hardcore fans, a lot of the, the the audience would be left out. But it's not the case. But hardcore fans were looking for something. It it was not. And then with time, you discover, or at least with me, maybe I'm slower, <laughs> um, that this was what she meant, or at least is what I took out of the album in for me. So, what breakfast would you give it? So I'm. I had a breakfast in mind, and then okay. I thought, well, that's a bit too heavy because it's quite a minimal album. Mm-hmm. So, I, right, what I was going to say is Eggs Benedict, but that's far too heavy. I was going to say Eggs Benedict; it's like a classic, and I like it. And I very rarely had a bad one. 
And then I said, no, but that's that's kind of too heavy on the stomach. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this isn't heavy yeah. on the stomach. So it's maybe like a bagel with salmon and a little bit of scrambled egg. Great. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but since I, it has to be a little bit like she gets me in this mood, in this midnight mood. It's like a, a breakfast that you have, like, not at the time of breakfast. It's something that you wake up in the middle oh, of the night and you're like, right, I'm yeah. a bit hungry. And then you go and take maybe, a, in, I know people hate milk, but maybe a glass of milk. I don't hate milk. What's yeah, milk? because you're like, uh, not, <laughs> not, a, not a millennial, but millennials hate milk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do they hate milk for? Because it's milk. cow um, milk. I don't know. It's supposed to be like oatmeal. But not your let... mum, not your milk. <laughs> exactly, I love, I love exactly. And uh, well, maybe you can take any kind of milk you, of your choice <laughs> and then make it uh, warm in the microwave with um, here in Spain. I don't know if it's international, but we have like this um, chocolate powder that you put in. Yeah, and, Nesquik. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then maybe like uh, a slice of dark chocolate. Like a a, cho- a chocolate bar, but just a slice, not the whole bar, because you're elegant. Nice, nice. So mm-hmm. sort of like a breakfast that isn't even a breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay, now I think you're waiting for I'm, the... I'm loving this breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're keeping it. I, I, because I, it's the only way I can really put out what I thought of a, an album. Fuck numbers. Um, okay. I know what you're waiting for. You didn't care about my review. You didn't I care. I did. I do. I've got more to ask about. But first, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, no. Let's have you. Let's have your references. No, first. Uh, it's not references. It's like just going to the not more of it, but the more gossipy part of the 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 album. That that's what we all care about, right? That's what you're here for. That's what you want to hear. But maybe if you want to ask more questions before we get into the juicy stuff, we can. Um, no, no, I'd go for the juicy stuff. Okay. And then if there's time at the end okay. after we've been entirely juiced out, I can, I can get back <laughs> to it. I, I, uh, oh yeah, right, I see what's coming, okay. Are you excited? Okay, because this album, as we said, it, it's um, very similar to the previous other albums, like Taking Out Folklore and Evermore, that were more fictional. We saw, like, Taylor get into the, like, novelistic writer kind of thing with... Great American Dynasty, like there were characters, but made up characters, like maybe she took inspiration from her life, but there were like a a whole like other fantasy world going on in those two albums. Well, I feel like Midnight is going back to to the Taylor. We know that she's um, like she talks about her life in most of the songs. That's what um, she got criticized for when she was younger, like talking about her ex-boyfriends and stuff. Well, now... Mm, people are stupid and when we want <laughs> and we want Taylor to have like her therapy through her music and this is what we got because this is feel, I feel like I don't know if I read it somewhere or someone said it on Twitter or something but this feels like it's like a, we're on her therapy session and we get to hear what she's thinking or saying to her therapist and I love it I, I love that kind of Taylor and if we know something about Taylor is that she doesn't forgive and she doesn't forget. <laughs> and, and and why should she? Wouldn't and life why be a lot should less she? Fun? Exactly. People have wronged her. So the, le- the least she can do is talk about them in songs. If you did this to me, you're going to be on one of my songs. Don't do this to me and you're not going to be on one of my songs. So do you want to hear the list of victims that have been... Scorched. Mm, yeah, scorched by the Midnight's um, album. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, are, are, these were alleged, I'm going to go Alleged, for. alleged. Yeah. Alleged victims. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's completely different persons. We don't have proof, like lyrics that prove it or anything. It's just completely imaginary. But let's begin. <laughs> and I'm going to begin with my first and favorite um, target. Um, because it's the most obvious one, allegedly. <laughs> like, uh, this one, I, I just love it. Okay, so the first one is John Mayer. If okay, need, now hang yeah. on. In the script, you've called him something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. actually looked it up, so I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not his name. <laughs> that's very rude. Yeah. John Krusty Mayer. Krusty <laughs> oh, so Man rude. Mayer. Um, 
Yes, men, yeah, they're very crusty, and especially the ones that have wronged Taylor. So they all have the same middle name, and it's crusty. Um, okay, so if you need context to know why this man is so crusty, is um, because Taylor dated, um, well, the thing that he wronged Taylor for is for dating. But what was the special part is that Taylor was 19 when they started dating, and the, the crusty man was... 32. That's a big old age difference, especially taking into consideration one of the parts of the relationship is a teenager and the other is a grown-ass adult. So that's a bit worrying. Um, Do you know, I've just realized I'm actually older than John Mayer by a few months. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, but you're not crusty because you didn't date Taylor when she was 19. So no, 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 no. That no, no. makes you much better than John Mayer. I haven't dated a 19-year-old uh, since I was 19, so there we go. There you go. That's what a non-crusty man would do. <laughs> um, well, she already. we know that she already dedicated a song to him in Speak Now, which maybe you would want to remember this information right. for later, um, called Dear John. Um, this wasn't anything that like hiding because the name is there, yeah. John, dear John, dear John Krusty Mayer. <laughs> and and she, the, um, some of the lyrics said like, dear John, I see it all now. It was wrong. Don't you think 19 is too young to be played by your dark twisted games? Wow. Um, not, not very metaphoric. Like it's very out there that it's about John Mayer. And well, she's dedicated a new song to him. With, um, and some of the, the lyrics in this new song mirrors um, this 2010 song. Um, and you can see all the references in Genius. And I didn't put them here because I know I, I will take forever if I did that. And, uh, and But you see the point that I was saying that yeah. a lot of the songs like mirror each other. Well, this one is now, um, not now, it's always, <laughs> but it's called Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. And it's on the 3 a.m. Um, version. Like, she put out two albums, like uh, one with, um, I don't know how many tracks, um, th uh, 13. On, uh, one with 13, yeah. Yeah, one with 13. And then the 3 a.m. version that had um, more tracks. And this one is the 19th track on the 3 a.m. version. And 19th track. <laughs> Did you remember how old was Taylor when they dated she was 19, 19. and do you want to know do you want to know how old Taylor is now she is blow my mind 32 so Jeez. she um, dated him when she was 19 and she put the track in the 19th um, list um, and now she's 32 uh, which is the same age he was when he dated um, him when, as a teenager She she can she can do no wrong like she's her mind um and the the lyrics are incredible like uh, a lot of the lyrics are in 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 the the album but uh, I like especially in the closing break she goes I regret you all the time over and over and I it really touched me because I I like how she can come out saying like, yeah, I regret dating you because a lot of the songs that are maybe touch on this topic, it's like, I don't regret you after all because I it made me stronger or it made me realize whatever, whatever. And I like that, the narrative of, no, I regret you. I hope, I wish it didn't happen, but it did. And I, now I regret you. And she also says, give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. I, 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 I just, John. yeah. F you, John. Um, do you want to know someone who we also hate? And it's a former longtime enemy of ours. And he's <laughs> ours? also... Yeah, you're a Swifty. Okay, yeah. Okay, go on. Go on. And he's also on the list of victims um, that Taylor wanted to murder in the album, metaphorically. Um, Scooter Brown, the man with the rights to her album and that made her re-record all... Well, not made her, but... Led her to uh, do yeah, it. Yeah, led yeah, her yeah. to do it. Um, well, the main song targeting this man, because you could see like other little stuff that could lead to being about Scooter Brown, is um, Vigilante Shit. My, one of my favorites. One of my favorites too. <laughs> um, and, and the line that gives up that it's about Scooter Brown is one that, um, that goes like, while he was doing lines and crossing all of mine, 
someone told his white-collar crimes to the FBI. And if you didn't know, Scooter Brown is involved in a 200 million legal dispute over private equity fund, whatever that means. Although but, he doesn't do drugs, we should say. Um, well, we don't know that part, but we know that he is um, involved in white-collar crimes. And I love the idea that this someone that Taylor is talking about might be even her. Like, she called the FBI and she was like, did you know Scooter Brown <laughs> is involved in whatever, whatever? And um, there's another line in Vigilante Sheet that could also um, be talking about Scooter um, because she's not letting this man rest, and I love that. Um, she says, now she gets the house, gets the kids, gets the pride, picture me, thick as knife with your ex-wife. And um, Scooter recently, or last year, or I don't know, um, divorced his wife, um, Yael Cohen, and and she got the, the kids, the house, blah, blah, blah. Um, I love him because this man will not get a day of rest or will not uh, get a, to breathe for a second after what he did. And maybe you shouldn't have wronged the crazy girl that <laughs> that everyone knows she could do that. And she's doing it. But this this specific line, the now she gets the house, blah, 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 um, could also point to a third victim that we also know of the list of victims of Taylor Swift. Mr. Kanye West, oh. which we will not discuss anything else about. Um, we will just say that this line also fits um, in with the topic of now she gets the house, the kids, the pride, picture me thick as knives with your ex-wife, um, and she looks so pretty driving your bands. Could also be talking about Kim and Kanye's divorce and how she is doing amazing, and she he's not. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and I don't know which one of them is she talking about, if she's talking about both. But if the shoe fits, the shoe fits. Um, and finally, one of my favorites and one of the Gaylor's favorites, which are the um, Swifties that have are very um, that are very secure in the theory that Taylor may be gay and maybe hinting at it for a long time in her songs, um, is um, that the yeah her former best friend quote unquote or maybe quote unquote girlfriend we don't know we don't know we don't know Carly Claus is also mentioned um allegedly in in Midnight's especially in the song Question which is described in Genius um as a song where Taylor Swift asks her former lover if their newer romantic experiences compared to the time that they were that they spent together implicitly she hopes that their ex is similarly unable to move on from her and that their new attempts to love at love are only second best after the meteor strike that's the line um that's a lyric i mean okay so the you may think oh it's not about curly claws because it begins good girl sad boy we don't care it <laughs> is about curly claws okay so shut up right um, okay okay it's and there's a lot of usage of the pronouns she her so it is about a girl, especially um, her and Carly. And it could be talking about specific day in which um, there's a video um, of Taylor and Carly allegedly kissing in a, the 1975 concert. And we have seen, we have all seen this video, right, Ben? You have no. also seen it too? No, I will. I'm <laughs> definitely, definitely going to have a look at that. Well, the kissing um, lyric... Um, because uh, and the song question has a lyric that says, did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room? Um, and, and the crowded room could be a concert, a 1975 concert. And this lyric um, could also reference another song um, on reputation called Dress, that it's one of the most popular, okay, one of um, the most known songs that relates to the Gaylor theories, <laughs> like um, the, the Carly Claus, um, Taylor Swift um, past relationship. And in it says the the previous song, the dress song, our secret moments in your crowded room, crowded room. Did you ever kiss someone in in a crowded, crowded room? room? Yeah, it's literally the same. They've got no idea about me and you, right? Carly, hi Carly. Um, and that song also says, if you don't if you don't believe the Gaylor theories, I don't like you like a best friend. I only bought you this dress so you could take it off. And we've got to end there. This is amazing. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna say something very fast. It's probably because if it happens, I, I'm going to be the best um, at theories. Um, speak now, Taylor's version, December 2nd. December the 2nd, and we'll be there. 
My daughter's at her birthday. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much. And we'll be back again this time next week with more stuff. stuff. Not Taylor, but we wish. No. Well, well, maybe, maybe Taylor maybe, on December 2nd. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Thank you very much. From dreaming one day I'll watch as you're leaving Cause you got tired of my scheming Everybody agrees, everybody.